Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 24. This is Writing Excuses. Deep Dive, Dark One Forgotten by Dan Wells. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. So today we are going to do our deep dive into a book that I wrote. We said by Dan Wells. This is co-written with uh, Brandon Sanderson as well. Um, but this, he's not here to get he's his not feet here. held to the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so the way this is going to work, we're going to spend you know our 20 or 30 minutes today talking all about this in detail, how it was written and why and everything, everything. And then we're going to spend the next seven episodes um, kind of using that as a guide to talk about a lot of different principles that uh, I find really important or interesting that this story helps to illustrate. So uh, we, we've warned you a couple of times in the past, you need to go and listen to Dark One Forgotten. And so we hope you've done that. If you haven't and you're sticking with us anyway, spoiler warning, uh, this is a six-hour audiobook that is kind of disguised as if you were listening to uh, some girl's college dorm amateur podcast where she is doing a true crime thing. So that's Dark One Forgotten. I love it dearly. Uh, I open it to the rest of you. What what do you want to say or ask about this story? So first of all, I am enjoying the heck out of it. Um, Thank you. It, one of the things that I particularly enjoy is the um, is the fact that it is an audio drama. That they are, there are characters who are playing off of each other, um, so that's that's a lot of fun. I love that you're like that. The format is is part of the story. My question is, how much of that was decided when you and Brandon were sitting down at the beginning? Like, yeah. So that, interestingly enough, that specific aspect is the only bit of guidance that I had writing this. Uh, this is kind of sort of the prequel to a novel uh, that we are still working on. And there has been previously a graphic novel put out uh, for, of the Dark One story. This is the story that sets that up. And basically the two things Brandon said were, A, this is a prequel to Dark One. And B, I think it would be cool to do it in this format where you, as if it were a, a podcast. So... And then it was just me uh, making everything up beyond that point. And then he came back later during the revision process and there was more collaboration. But initially, that was the one guiding principle of the whole thing, is make this sound like some girl's true crime podcast. So you know the ending that you're aiming for, 
mm-hmm. and you know the format, and everything else is like, wee! Yeah, they pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting because while I have written, for example, the Zero-G series that we've talked about on the show before, um, I wrote those as novels and then adapted them as scripts. And, crucially, they still have narrators. Uh, whereas this, because of the format, does not. Um, and so basically, I just went back and re-listened to a couple of seasons of Serial, uh, you know, did some other things, did some homework. And it took me, I want to say, five months, maybe six months to write that first episode because I had to get my head around what the format was going to sound like. And then the second episode took me about a week uh, because once I knew what I was doing, it all made much more sense. I'm going to challenge you on the narrator aspect, though, because there is a narrator. It's, she's just an embedded narrator. Yes. As opposed to a separate narrator. Um, yes. She, so the, the main character, Christina Walsh, she does kind of narrate her story. Um, I don't think of her as a narrator because she's not, she's not serving the function that the Zero-G narrator serves, yes. which was to provide right. blocking and describe what things looked like. It's not that kind of a narrator. It's more of a framing device to say, all right, now we're going to go talk to this person, and then the scene will change, and, and it will all be in scene. I think one thing that's interesting in hearing you talk about where this project comes from is, you know, you've kind of framed it as a prequel, but it's a prequel to a thing that doesn't exist yet, right? Yes, so you're sort of true. writing in this extended <laughs> universe, but you know, that's not a universe that we've had the opportunity to meet yet. So this is kind of our introduction. Was that a particular challenge, knowing that you had to hit a mark at the end of this and set up all this future plot and content and world? Or was this more like a natural thing for you in terms of writing your own thing and then it being able to build off of that and leaving hooks yeah, to build off it, of? It, it, was, it was much simpler than that. Uh, because one thing that we wanted to do with this was kind of have as light of a touch as possible onto the larger story. And so uh, basically, if you've read the graphic novel, anyone out there, um, it begins with a particular person in prison. And this is basically the story of how that person ended up in prison. Um, the uh, and, and we're full spoilers, so we're just going to tell you, this is a... Uh, as Christina is doing her true crime podcast, she's interested in this one particular case of a missing person. She stumbles onto what turns out to be a serial killer, which then further turns out to be a supernatural serial killer. Uh, and that's what is going to set up Dark One for us. But it was important in this project, at least it was important for us, to not really explain any of that, to let Dark One be its own thing and just tell as interesting of a story as we could without worrying about the explanations. In fact, we pared a lot of it back during revision. Mm -hmm. um, initially, we did explain much more fully what Mirandus is, for example, which is this word that keeps getting tossed around in the story. And then we decided, nope, that's, that's what the later story can do. This one needs to focus more on Christina and who she is and her investigation and we can leave those answers for later. Yeah, I really liked how all the supernatural elements of the story, I mean, to me as a reader who's read supernatural stuff, you know, quite a bit, I could tell that that's what was happening, but I did like how grounded the characters were in their perspective and in their time and setting. And 
you know, always trying to figure out, like, is this a drug? Are there other explanations? Is And that led me to a point of like, oh, wait, maybe it's not. Maybe it actually is some kind of other scientific explanation, you know, that looks very magical in this way. And so when it got to the actual supernatural part, I kind of really enjoyed how much wasn't explained, right? There were all these things that I could fill in the gaps, but you you had such a light touch with it that left so many more interesting questions and still kept me grounded in the action that was happening on the page and the arc that this character was going through without kind of like weighing that last act down with all this extra information. So I thought that was really nicely handled. That's good. It's not I a question there. I'm just complimenting well, you. Well, thank you very much. That's what I'm hoping most of this episode <laughs> will be. Uh, and I'm glad that that worked because that issue specifically was difficult enough that later in our series, we're going to do a whole episode on it, which basically is when you see Dan Wells and Brandon Sanderson on the cover of something, you know that it's going to be supernatural or speculative in some way. And so putting a really slow burn on that where the characters don't know that they're in a supernatural story until episode three or four or five when it really becomes obvious um, was difficult to get that balance right. How could we do that without making making the reader feel frustrated like, oh, these idiots are clearly in a story with magic. Why won't they just admit it? A question that I had is that you talked about this wanting to get this feeling of the kind of crime podcast out of the the dorm room. As we start introducing like characters in, like they interview this person, they interview that person. How much of that was driven by the story you were trying to tell? And how much of that was driven by trying to be really fidelity to the format that you were trying to replicate? It's a mix of both. Uh, And one thing that you'll notice as you listen to it is the first episode um, is much more of much, much more in the style of serial. Right. It is. Here's my investigation. Here's me interviewing this specific person. Um, And then we keep cutting back to that that framing story of she's in her dorm room recording this. Um, And then once we got to episode two. Uh, they leave the dorm room, they go out into the world, and it becomes a much more overt adventure. And then by the time we get to episode five, you know, the gloves are off completely. Um, and she's just kind of recording her life as desperate things happen to her. It feels like you go from serial into the Blair Witch Project at some point. Yeah. It becomes a mm-hmm. found footage and found audio kind of thing, especially once nobody can remember her anymore and this is her only lifeline to the world. It It really does have that thing of like, Oh, yeah, they went into the woods and nobody knows what happened to them, right? Yeah. It's like, I yeah. don't know where this is ending. There, there's a nice verisimilitude to that. Um, you know, when we, watch, when we watch the early Marvel movies and someone has a superpower, people very quickly twig to the fact that, oh, this is a superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at, when you, when you listen to this, it takes a long time for anybody to accept that there is not a rational uh, scientific explanation for what's going on, which is how the real world, I feel, yeah. would work. It'd take me, I mean, I love magical science fiction, whatever. It'd take me a really, really long time to believe that, for instance, you know, Florida man gnawing on somebody under an overpass is an actual zombie and not just a one-off bad drug reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, it take me a long time to come around to that. And I liked the way these characters were the same way. 
Well, and the way you kept hanging a lantern on with the Sherlock Holmes thing, with the Occam's Razor thing yeah. of like, yep. here's the simplest answer. And it's like, I, as the audience, I'm like, no, there's a simpler answer. There's magic. And then I'm like, that's not a simpler answer. That's, that's, that's yeah. it's fundamentally <laughs> insane. That, like, that, yeah. That's, yeah, the, the whole impossible aspect of it. But one of the things that I really liked that you did on the, the Into the Woods thing is um, the, setting up the, the in-story in mechanic of, as a protection for ourselves, we are setting these up to immediately upload if we if we are mm-hmm. tra- if there are problems, which I think does two things: one, it forecasts it's going to get bad, and and two, it it does give you that that transition to the immediacy of the found footage as you go, which I, I was I just very clever, well done. Thank, Thank you exactly. very much. Um, if if one of the very few regrets that I have about this is I wish that um, the sound design had followed more of my script. <laughs> uh, there are absolutely cases where you can tell, oh, they're outside now, or, oh, they're in a coffee shop right now. Um, but not all of those got translated across. And so while I do think they did a phenomenal job, and the acting in particular is is stellar, uh, there's a couple of places where I wish some of that found audio sense was stronger uh, where a scene break is more obviously, oh, they are now in a different location. This should sound more like an office. I have some questions about how you document that, how, how you make those notes, but I don't think I get to ask them until after our break. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. Thing of the week is Zombies Run, which is a game that you can play or listen to experience, I will say, on Android and iOS. It is a thing where you are somebody living in the zombie apocalypse 
and you are being forced to run from place to place while conversations are happening in your ear and people are asking you to fetch things and do things. And what it is sort of outside of the world of playing it is this brilliant way to kind of make fitness and gaming and audio work together in a really fun way. I've written some of the script for this in later seasons, and you're just running from place to place as really intricate stories happen around you, and it helps you to think, wow, running is fun and not, ugh, my knees. I'm going to tag team in on this because I (laughs) love Zombies Run so much. It's the only thing that has ever gotten me to run. And when I developed tendinitis in my hips, I was mad because I'm like, but I need the rest of the seasons. And so I've been thinking about doing zombies house cleaning. <laughs> I will say one random thing about this, which was when uh, we were in sort of peak COVID period, we actually had a zombie invasion come into the town so that nobody could leave. And people started doing oh, zombie-like housework and like, how could you work out in your house to try to adapt the format to what was so going happy. on? So That's we are so here smart. for you and for all of you. So listen and enjoy. Audio cues, Dan, audio cues. How do you how do you notate those in your manuscript? How do you keep track of that? Because, I mean, I have a hard time as a cartoonist who writes prose sometimes. I have a hard time remembering to describe the room because I know, you know, I, I come from, oh, I'm just going to draw pictures for this. Uh, how do you how do you notate it? How do you keep track of it? How does it go in your, yeah, how do you well, even? <laughs> it's. It's weird. Uh, This is why it took me five or six months to write that first episode. Uh, First of all, while I have written scripts uh, for TV and for some other things, I really was kind of making this up as I went. And so the first thing to to tell people is uh, don't necessarily expect the way I do this to be the way everyone does this. Um, And in particular, I did not use, for example, Final Draft uh, to write this audio script, uh, which is kind of the standard software if you were writing for Hollywood uh, but is not something that audiobook uh, people necessarily know what to do with. And so I, I did it all in Word. And what I did um, is really tried to get myself into the mindset of that kind of found audio idea, that everything we hear is something Christina recorded on her phone. And uh, then in lieu of narrative descriptions of what a room looked like, I would start each scene with a little bracketed, uh, you know, paragraph, maybe just a couple sentences saying, okay, they're in a coffee shop now. The audio needs to change. We need to hear in the background, um, you know, people murmuring or plates clinking, uh, maybe somebody occasionally shouting, you know, order up, something like that, so that it sounds like they're in a diner or a cafe. Um, When the phone gets dropped or manipulated because they pick it up, I would mark that. Um, if somebody is shouting at them from farther away, I would say, you know, distantly we hear, and then the dialogue. So just kind of, that that was my way of doing those audio cues in brackets um, to just let the audio engineer that assembles all of this know this needs to sound like it's coming over a phone. This needs to sound like it's being shouted across a park. This needs to sound like it's, um, you know, being recorded in a closet. So I mostly, you know, work on prose fiction on books. And the thing about writing a book is you can do whatever you want in it. And it doesn't increase the marginal cost of the next page, right? Mm-hmm. Every page costs the same no matter what's on it. 
Now, one of the things we run into in terms of, you know, getting a story adapted for TV or film is how expensive is it going to be to film this? So was that a thing that was kind of in your mind as you're doing this, knowing you were going to have this full cast audio? Was there a limitation for you somewhere? Was there a break on, oh, if I put them in a new location, we're going to have to come up with new Foley for that. We're going to have to cast another person to play this you know, waitress in this coffee shop or this, you know, there'd be interjections from other people being like, hey, could you keep it down? Did you feel like it's like, oh, I can't do that too many times because that increases the cost by this much? Or was it more freeform solvent in once it's in production? Yeah, for, for me, some of that TV writer training came out. Uh, there were absolutely cases where I'm like, this, this would be a very natural spot for a waitress to come and ask a question, but then we'd have to hire a waitress, so I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I, I wasn't concerned very much with Foley or, or with sound design. What I did find myself doing was making sure the conversations themselves were long and interesting so that in a given hour long episode, um, I call them six episodes. It's a six hour book that's kind of split into parts. Mm-hmm. Um, initially we thought we might be releasing them one episode at a time, but, um, so in, in a given hour, there will only be maybe five or six scenes and you know they take a long time and we get to really dig into it and have a long conversation this served a couple of different purposes it kept the costs down it meant we only had to hire five extras for that episode to do the interviews instead of like 20 um it also meant that we could really dig into some of these questions uh one of my very favorite conversations in the entire series is in episode two where they go to a cult expert they're oh, thinking that, that it might be uh, so, somehow involved with a cult that is trying to cover this up. And first of all, the actor they got for that was so great. And <laughs> his mannerisms and, and the way he speaks, um, some of that was written in and a lot of it was just the actor, you know, really bringing his all to it. Uh, but that's like a 15-minute scene. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And because it was so long, that gave them the chance to just really probe every corner of this question. Is it a cult? Maybe because of this. Probably not because of this. Let me explain all of these other things, uh, which for me is fascinating to just let interesting people talk to each other. Um, Yeah. That was one of the most Dan Wellsian scenes. Because I'm like, oh, here we are. Dan is just going to bring out everything that he knows about death cults and cults. Yeah. Like, here, here's I'm the like, part. you didn't have to look up any of these, did you? Here's the part where the expert just sits and talks about what they're an expert in. Um, um. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually curious uh, about a, a process thing. You know, when you, when you were doing these, um, when they were recording them, was the cast recording together or were the, they recording separate and much of them were done separately. Uh, there were cases um, where they would bring definitely Christina and Sophie in to try to record together as much as possible, the, the, the two leads. And then on occasion, I think the cult expert and maybe the drug scientist um, and maybe one or two others, they brought them in and had all three people in the room at the same time to try to get as much of a conversational feel to it. Uh, I mentioned those two instances in particular because I know there's a lot of talking over each other. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of interrupting each other. 
something like, for example, in episode, I want to say four, there's a conversation with a pharmacist. And that one, I think they just recorded her separately uh, because it, it didn't involve as much back and forth. And so it was easier to for them to just do it by themselves. But yeah, I, I was really happy that for some of those scenes, they got everyone together and just let them play it out. Did you get to be there for those? I was invited to be there for those and was not able to fit it into my schedule. Do you know if they got to do ad-libbing? Uh, there are a couple of places where I know that some ad-libbing happened. Uh, in particular, like I said, that cult guy, he added a little bit to it. Uh, but overall, it is surprisingly faithful to uh, the script that I wrote. Sophie did more ad-libbing than anybody else. That um, fits. That and which tracks. fits her character. She's very much the kind of uh, firebrand kind of character. Um, I got to hear the unedited audio for several of these. And Sophie is the one who got bleeped all the time. <laughs> uh, I do not swear much. And I don't typically include a lot of swearing, a lot of English language swearing in my books. I put tons of Spanish swear words. Um this was an opportunity for me, knowing that it would be audio and that Christina is the kind of person who would bleep it out, to just give Sophie the worst mouth, <laughs> and she swears a blue streak, and then it just bleeps out. And I got to hear the unedited, and she just went off. Because the script just said, what the bracket bleep, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, Sophie just improvised all of that. It was <laughs> delightful. I have a sort of a format question again. You know, we've seen this explosion in fiction podcasts over the last several years, right? You know, whether it's like Homeland or whatever it is, there there have been all these, you know, serialized storytelling has come back in this big way with full cast production, often with like big stars. You guys recorded a six-episode podcast and released it as an audiobook. What went into the decision to do it as a single audiobook as opposed to trying to do it as an actual podcast? I wish that I had a good answer for oh, you. Okay. Uh, that was a decision that I was not privy to. Uh, we didn't really know exactly what format this was going to be in until it came out, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, uh, uh, right towards the end of the process, there were some factors that that made communication difficult uh, between us and, and the people producing it. So I, I like the decision they landed on. I mm-hmm. think it makes it easier um, we don't have to worry about a tale of people who listened to three and then forgot to listen to the third one or the fourth one, and then, then it all mm-hmm. falls apart. Uh, so I think that they probably made the right decision, although part of me does wish that we had released them one week at a time, just because that's how they were written. And I like the idea that you're following this story mm-hmm. as she's recording it. Uh, because she, you know, kind of the the conceit in the story is that she finishes recording everything, she edits it together and uploads it on the spot. And then most of the episodes begin with her saying, well, lots of comments on the thing from last week, which I thought would have been a fun little bit of interactivity. But Well, and you get the variations of the intros that change mm-hmm. a little bit over time and that yeah. element too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was really well done where it felt very cohesive as a single audio book, but the conceit of it was also a real delight in terms of hearing the individual episodes within the the greater whole as well. The question everyone wants to ask right now, the hot question on everyone's minds is, how much has 
15 years of experience as a podcaster for writing excuses <laughs> helped you write this book as well as you did? Yeah, that was exactly the question that was burning exactly in my mind. Exactly the thing that everybody <laughs> wanted to know. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Um, sorry. It just made me brilliant. That's, that's what <laughs> I mean, it did. there you go. Yeah, and I can promise to all listeners that it will make you brilliant as well. Um, one thing I do want to talk about and make sure that we, we hit this point before we end is, like I said, this was a collaboration with Brandon Sanderson. He had the initial idea of let's do this as a kind of fake podcast. And then I wrote the entire thing and sent it back to him. And he made one suggestion that in hindsight, I can't imagine this story without it. Hmm. Um, and it's embarrassing to me that I did not think of this. One thing I made sure to include. Wait, you're not going to tell us? I am going to tell okay. you. Okay. One thing I made sure to include in episode four, because it deals with memory. Uh, what's really going on is that the serial killer is impossible to remember. And that effect kind of rubs off onto his victims and people forget them as soon as he takes them. And that made it very difficult for a long time before anyone to even notice this was happening, let alone do anything about it. Uh, and so I loved the idea, and you see this pop up in episode four, that she realizes she's already researched this. And she has an external hard drive that she's carrying with her that has hundreds of hours of audio she's already recorded and forgotten about. And I thought, oh, that'll be really creepy and that'll be really cool. And Brandon said, yes, but what if something happens and she gets forgotten? And that's what happens at the end of episode four, which again, in hindsight, how, how could I have done this without that? Yeah. Uh, she spends episode five and six basically also impossible to remember. And she, you know, Sophie forgets who she is. Everyone forgets who she is. And she's kind of suddenly on her own, um, really at the mercy of this weird supernatural effect and the world and all of this stuff. It was a really vital part of that collaborative process uh, to come up with that and then figure out how to make it work. From, from the listener standpoint, the, uh, the discovery that she'd already been researching this gave me chills. And the plot twist, the disaster of suddenly being forgettable was that moment where, and as a writer, I'm always doing the you know, why did the meta not explain to me that this was coming? How did I not see this from the meta? And it was that moment where I was like, of course that's what has to happen. Mm -hmm. That's the only possible disaster that we could have that would fit the tone of this book. And so I see why you're so frustrated with yeah. yourself that <laughs> yeah. Brandon had to think of it for you. Friggin' Brandon. No, it was, <laughs> it, it was, it was really good. But yeah, it, in hindsight it is inevitable that yeah. that would have yeah. to happen. Uh, and that is the kind of third act twist. All is lost. Oh, no. No one can remember me. I've lost my entire support structure. Everything we've built up thus far has fallen apart, um, which gave me the chance uh, to really dig into the concept of memory. And this is something you, if you've read a lot of my other books, I go into this a lot. Uh, there's three books in a row in the John Cleaver series that are really dealing with this. Um, and I love that idea of what is memory and how does it work and how do we interact with it? It's, it's kind of a bit of a, 
uh, a hobby horse of mine. So it was fun to see that from the inside. All right. We are going to be done with this episode. We are going to use this as a spine, as guideposts for the next seven. We'll be going to a lot of different topics. Uh, But right now we are going to end with some homework. The homework assignment that I have for you is that I want you to think about something that you remember that no one else does. And then I want you to come up with a supernatural reason that that happened. In the next episode of Writing Excuses, we learn how I started writing prose and how you can immerse readers in your world with clocks. Until then, you're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.